just a little nervous with all the wires down here. So this morning for scripture readings, we have four different sections um, spanning from the beginning to the end of the Bible. Genesis 2.9. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Ezekiel 47, verse 12. And on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month, because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for healing. Psalm 46, verse 1 to 5. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. There is a river whose stream make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. And then Revelation 22, verse 1 to 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the streets of the city, also on either side of the river, the trees of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. There will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Without these words being on the screen, so you need to listen if you want to remember them. I think they're worth remembering. Nothing that is worth doing can be achieved in our lifetime. Therefore, we must be saved by hope. Nothing that is true or beautiful or good makes complete sense in any immediate context of history. Therefore, we must be saved by faith. Nothing that we do, however virtuous, can be accomplished alone. Therefore, we must be saved by love. One more time. Nothing that is worth doing can be achieved in our lifetime. Therefore, we must be saved by hope. Nothing that is true or beautiful or good. Did you get that? Those philosophy students or people who've been to university lectures, like not in the sciences so much, but... The three transcendentals, the three higher things, are goodness, beauty, and truth. Nothing that is true or beautiful or good makes complete sense in any immediate context of history. In other words, you won't understand the beauty of something just in the moment that you behold it fully. Therefore, we must be saved by faith. Nothing that we do, however virtuous, can be accomplished alone. 
Therefore, we must be saved by love. Faith, hope, and love. Healing. Our readings this morning, and they're beautiful readings. Again, it helps if you know Scripture. Genesis, Ezekiel, Psalms, Revelation. The tree of life, the leaves for the healing of the nation. This beautiful metaphor in Scripture that is worth knowing in our world. The leaves of the trees of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And I won't get into it too much, but of course in Christian understanding there is a connection between that tree of life and the cross of Jesus Christ. Last week I told the story, part of the story of Ian Gilmartin's life and what I called my second favorite resurrection, Ian's, and of Ian's mom, Joyce. We didn't really tell Joyce's story, but we noted that at that time in 2011, Ian lived and Joyce did not. She died. And so I have in my mind these things to remember as we talk about healing. We'll get this. Oh, there we go. I'll say them. They might come up. Any important theological concept or idea cannot be detached from people. So if you want to understand, take a theological concept. You want to understand the holiness of God? Or you want to understand, go the same term, righteousness? You want to understand forgiveness? You want to understand love? You want to understand healing? In Christian understanding, you will not be able to grasp that detached from people. That's why I tell you the story of Ian when I want to teach about healing. God has turned towards us and chosen not to be God without people. That's the Christian, a central tenet of Christian faith. Therefore, if you take any concept, even a good concept, and impose it upon people from a distance, you will do damage. You properly understand these things within God's love for all people. Secondly, In history, Christian history, whenever the Holy Spirit of God moves in a new way, so some would use words like revival or a new work or something, uh, in all of these movements of the Holy Spirit, there is an accompanying presence of healing, miraculous and even physical healing. I, I, I wonder if someone could maybe give me an exception to that, but... Even as we look historically at Christian events and changes in, in like renewal in Christian faith, there always is miraculous healing. But thirdly, we will not turn healing into an idol itself, which you could see could happen. When healing is turned into an idol, then the eyes are taken off of God and on to benefit and that will always move us away from faith in Jesus Christ. We begin to celebrate events rather than God himself. Our focus, even and at times particularly when we're talking about healing, is on God, not on healing. When I became pastor of this church, so I'd been youth pastor for a while, well, 10 years, more than a while, and then off at the Presbyterian Church for a while, which was just an absolute gift that time which still brings fruitfulness in my life, and then came back, 
when I came back, I've told some of you before, it was those who were here, it had been a difficult time for the church. And I remember thinking, all these, some people really need healing. I remember looking out right about here, and there were some people who always used to sit there, and they were, they would, like, Sunday mornings, they would just look like they'd been beaten up. Because there'd been some difficult things, and even, even fractured relationships. And I remember I was praying about it, and God put on my heart, I believe, you have to help, help the congregation seek me even more than seeking healing. Because if, if, if you seek healing and, and not me first, then your focus will be on your pain or your recovery, but not on me. So healing will not be an idol. Even if we were to see all kinds of miraculous healings, it's not the focus of our faith. It certainly wasn't the focus when Jesus Christ walked this earth. In the New Testament, the same word for healing is used for salvation. So the same word is used, translated differently in English, depending on the text. That's in the New Testament. That's in Greek. But I put up here a Hebrew scripture. The Old Testament is, of course, in Hebrew. And in the Psalms, look at that. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. Does that make sense to you? Shouldn't that be save me? Heal me, for I have sinned against you. In the whole of Scripture, there is this interchange between healing and salvation. And if you miss that, if you separate the concept of healing from salvation so that you're only celebrating physical manifestations of a charismatic gift and not the bigger picture of salvation in Christ, then again, you lose your focus. For us, we are to have a bigger sense of healing. So when I pray for Ian, as I walked out of the hospital that day when they said I couldn't visit and I thought he'd maybe died, and I said, oh, dear Lord God, don't let Ian die. Or when I pray for someone else's healing, I have to have this in mind, that the healing is always bigger than I can imagine. We sang this song. It's Actually, I love the song. I haven't... I haven't really seen it that many times. One of the first times, I know it's not the first time because the worship leader here will tell me, I've done it a few times or whatever, but, but the first time that it really stuck in my memory was the worship night, which, by the way, next Sunday night, did I forget to announce that? There's a worship night here at 7 p.m. You should come. They're good. And at the last one, we sang that song, King of My Heart. And I, I love it so much. It's so devotional and beautiful. And then you hit that line that says, you're never going to let, never going to let, never going to let me down. And I, I just tell you as a minister, I really struggle with that line. Maybe we'll just take it out next time. Is that okay? I, because whenever we pray for healing, if my demand of what that healing looks like, if I hold that so tightly, that if he doesn't heal me in this way, then he's let me down. Healing is always bigger, always often different, and sometimes smaller than a supernatural thing that we could picture. The focus is on God and not on self. So my friend Henry from St. Andrew St. Stephen's, who gets told last August, I suppose, that he has cancer, 
Henry had been an elder at St. Andrew St. Stephen's for like 50 years. Um, he, but he still had good years to live. He went too early. But he gets told that he has cancer. And I go and pray with him and his wife, Leola. And he says to me, he's, I told you this before, but he says to me, I remember coming over from Europe on the boat and I was 19 years old and standing at the front of the ship and he had this Dutch hymn in his head. And the hymn in his head was that God is going to be with him as he goes to this unknown land. And what Henry was telling me was that as he faced death, he knew the Lord would be with him. So do I need to pray for his physical healing? He died a couple of months later and glorified God in in that service and in that place. Or Allison is told that she has colitis and then told that she, I checked this with her, okay? And then, like that I can say this, and then told that she might may get cancer, so she has to have her colon removed, three surgeries. Those who believe in supernatural miraculous healing, does that offend you? Do you think you should pray for her and she shouldn't have the surgeries? Or would you be open to what she says? That the Lord is healing her in this way. Even though, as Allison told me this week, that healing has come with a tremendous cost. You see where I'm going. You must have a bigger picture in your mind of healing than whatever concept you've been given by whoever has told you. This is what it means. The focus is on God and not on self. Healing is beyond our understanding, but this we do know from Scripture. And as you follow that, the tree and the leaves for the healing of the nations... Healing means in Scripture at least these three things. Communion with God. Communion with your deepest self, we would say in Christ. And communion with others. Uh, Many of these images I'm getting from David Goa. Some were part of a tasting room theology that David Goa spoke at. And he, he mentions when he talks about this, he says communion with others, even communion with our enemies. And then he, he simply says, but if we have communion with them, then they're no longer our enemies. And he goes on to say, if you break one of these, you break them all. And you require healing. So this past week, we've been praying for Heather Baxter. A lot of SAS examples here. This is a shout out to the alums too. Uh, Heather Baxter is married to Martin Baxter, the minister at St. Andrew St. Stephen's Church. Heather would be in her mid-40s, is that fair to say? 42 an eight-year-old daughter and a six-year-old daughter. And she was told at the end of the summer that she has ovarian cancer and it's fairly progressed, and so she's been through all kinds of treatment, uh, extra strong chemo, everything else. I spent the day with Martin last Monday. Um, We went golfing together, which was interesting, but we spoke about this a lot. Ross Lockhart was with us as well. Martin told me a story. I haven't asked his permission to tell this, so don't go, but it's, it's fine. I said, how are things going there? And he said, well, he said, you know how scripture says the elders are to gather around the sick and anoint them with oil and pray. And often as ministers, most of us have a little vial of oil that we carry into a hospital somewhere and we'll anoint a sick person and pray for them and pray for their healing. 
But scripture also mandates that this is a function of an elder or a group of elders. And so the elders at St. Andrew St. Stephen said, well, we should go and pray in such a way for Heather. And they determined, and Martin and Heather also determined, that it probably would be best if he didn't lead that prayer time. And so he wasn't present for that. And a number of the elders came over. They've got a lot. They've got like 13 elders. But probably only five or six came over. I'm not sure. And they prayed for Heather. And Martin came back afterwards. And he said, how did it go? Now, these are wonderful people. Like elders at our church, they are giving of their time and their energy and their resources. And their. Martin said, how did it go? And Heather said, I think without condemnation, without judgment, she said, well, it was good, but I felt like I needed to be there for them. You understand, right? You understand that when you're going to pray for somebody who is facing maybe a life-death illness, that it's hard not to let your sadness lead. These are wonderful, wonderful people, but they love her so much that when she took off her hat and they saw that she had lost her hair and she was bald, she said, I don't think they ever recovered from that. And I just felt like they were sad. Really, in a way, in her loving way, what she's saying is that she was longing for someone who would boldly pray for her healing. And they since have, and they will continue to. Healing prayer is not a formula. It's faith in God that whatever it is that I'm facing, wherever it is that this person in front of me needs healing as far as I can tell, or wherever I need healing, God is bigger. So, Lord God, though I am so terribly sad, would you not let my sadness overwhelm your presence or that sense of your presence? We are saved together and healed together. Now, this is something that is not often taught when we speak about healing and healing prayer. When you think healing, you think, well, will Heather be healed? Will Ian be healed? Will you be healed of whatever it is in your mind that you have identified this morning in prayer where you require healing? But Scripture, as much as there are very many instances of individual physical healing, the teaching on healing is that healing, and that in all of these Scripture verses, that this is a survey of this, as, as Norma said, from the beginning of Scripture to the end, this tree for the healing of the nations that in the broad teaching of healing in Scripture, this is something that happens together. So it is not sufficient to say, I am healed, or I was healed, or even, here's a challenge for you, I am saved. It's always we. It doesn't preclude the individual, but it never stops with the individual. So that I could look at one of you, each of you, and I could say in our faith, we are saved. And I don't mean you are and I am. I mean we are together. And together we are healed. Scripture is better and more. The healing of the nations. You see that emphasis in this scripture that was read. But this healing in Christian understanding always, and we must insist upon this, and for some people it's difficult in this world where nobody's allowed to make any exclusive claim, right? But Christian understanding teaches 
one thing above all in terms of healing. Healing is in Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, and the life. I want to free that verse for you from the idea that what that means is how terrible the rest of the world is, kind of. Like, he's the way, the truth, and the life, so we kind of own him. And He spoke those words to his disciples when they expressed fear that he was leaving them. And he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, you don't need to be afraid. So we should not use that verse in a fearful way in our world, even in, even in evangelism. But we are healed through Christ. We will insist upon this. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We are healed, and I'll just list these, okay? We are healed through his incarnation. If he had not become flesh, then I could not be healed. God with us, he has not left us alone. And if God had left us alone, I could not be healed. We are healed through his divine and human nature. In other words, he knows what it's like to be human. But he remains fully divine. So that I am not alone. We are healed through his teaching. And nobody has taught like he has. And the church over and over again. And if you're, if you're distraught with the, with the uh, nature of the church in various parts of the world in our time, I'll just encourage you a little bit. It's often been worse. But his teaching calls us to a high regard for others and to love our enemies and to not judge and to trust in him. And through his action and his very way of being, that which he taught, that which he said, that which he did, and how he lived his life. Through his passion, which means his death on the cross, we are healed. Through his resurrection, we are healed. And through, now, we will only know this if the Holy Spirit is present to let us know it and feel it. We are healed through his presence in the life of the church. Why ought you to come to church? People like me want you to? I do. Because of guilt? Maybe sometimes, but not often. But all the good things you do, sometimes you just do because of guilt. But it's never the real engine. What if you were to come to church because even if you don't always feel it, You've got to remove that. That you know that part of the healing in Christ is through his presence in the life of his church. Our salvation and our healing is through Christ. And the other scriptural word that is used for this beautiful word is restoration. We are restored to who we are supposed to be. There's all kinds of teaching on this in spiritual history and Christian and otherwise that talks about things like the shadow self or the false self. And I won't teach on that except to say that you have many things around you, your concepts of yourself that you carry around and that you want other people to think you're something or you know, you've know you made your way or whatever it is. It can be age stuff. It can be career stuff. It can be financial stuff. It can be accomplishments or failures or whatever it is. But all of these things that are around you and they can create at times a shadow self. 
a way that you walk through the world not in deepest communion with yourself, but always trying to kind of perform and be noticed. Restoration speaks into that and says that healing brings restoration to who we were supposed to be, which is a person who knows the love of God and lives in freedom and not fear. And when you live in freedom and not fear, what are you free to do? Love. When you live in freedom and not fear, you are free to love. And that is the mark of true salvation. We will celebrate physical healings as we see them. Never above God. And they will never be used as a mark to say somehow the spiritual life of the person who prayed or the person who healed was healed because Scripture has one, if you want to have a measurement, which you really shouldn't, our faith is in Christ. But if you want to know about spiritual progress in your life, then it is always this question. Are you growing in your capacity to love others? All others. In other words, are you becoming more Christ-like? Not can you do great things. That's what the world puts on you. The other word I want to introduce in this is the word captivities. That I think, and again, this is from Goa, because I think it might be a better word than like ailment or you can see that I'm trying to expand this from more than physical healing. I say, of course, to physical healing. I just say, and also. And many of the things that you need to be healed from and I need to be healed from are your own captivities. And if we know each other for long enough, we can sometimes discern the captivities in somebody else's life. I am not necessarily the best at discerning my own, though really when pressed, if you've been an adult long enough and you have some self-reflection, you can do that. What are the things in your life that hold you captive? I could put one out that would be for maybe the majority of people here. You ready for it? One of the things that is holding many of you captive in this place this morning is fear. And what does that mean? It means you need to be healed. It doesn't mean you won't ever be afraid, but you won't be captive. David Goa, when he's speaking about this, he said, it was at a lecture hall that I, I, I heard it online, but he said, so he says, so anybody, you know, when he has to put hands in the air, like, you know, in this kind of environment, Western Canada, nobody really does that. Um, so he says, who else here is really imprisoned by things in their life? And clearly, I could tell by the audio, nobody put up their hand. And he said, well, then I guess I stand alone. And then he identified a couple of things that he said hold him captive, and they're interesting. They're up there, I think. He said, I am often held captive by my own nostalgia and my own utopian dreams. Do you get the meaning of that? In other words, and he's someone who's not young anymore, I'm often held captive by a world that used to exist that I long for. And it's a captivity in my life. Or I'm held captive by my own utopian dreams. What my life should be, what my job should be, what my family should be, what my kids should be, that's utopian. And I need to be healed from these things to be free. So, as he says, my own nostalgia and my own utopian dreams, these things, these are his words, they wring the life out of me. 
And I know some of you have experienced the same thing. You're not able to be fully free in your living because you're evaluating yourself by some standard that the world gives or you're longing for a time that we're no longer in. So, what wrings the life out of you? You want me to tell you? Take a little while longer this morning, but I could go one by one. I won't do that. See, this is the safety of Christian community, that we could come together and in humility say, you know what tends to ring the life out of me? It's this. That is the place where you need healing. Or did you think it was just like your leg? That would be great. But the things that ring the life out of you are better. If they can be healed. So maybe, and there would be some here, even people who've been Christians for a number of years, there would be some here who have given up on believing in the miraculous. That faith is duty, devotion, daily scripture reading, all these things are wonderful. But you have to some degree given up on the idea that God can miraculously intervene in your life, that he can speak to you, that he can put visions in your mind, that he can speak to you through the community, that he can heal you, that you could see somebody else healed. If you have given up on the miraculous in your life, then that is a captivity from which you need to be healed. Or your own nostalgia or your own utopian dreams, or your own sinful habits. See, when the prayers prayed by the psalmist, heal me for I have sinned against you, it's proper and it's right, and it's a good understanding of sin. And the church often teaches kind of a, an understanding of sin apart from a deeper reality of healing, that sin equals bad, right? So we look around the world and who's a good person and who's a bad person, and a sinner is a bad person. Sin is that which precludes our healing, our restoration in Jesus Christ. And so some of you need to be healed from these utopian dreams, but some of us need to be healed, and this is maybe more mundane, from sinful habits in our lives. Those sinful habits don't change an iota the way God thinks about me. Do you understand that? I sin, therefore God's kind of against me. Don't. Have you heard of Jesus Christ? What the sin does is prevents me from seeing who I am in Jesus Christ. And from that I need to be healed. And I could give you a big list in my own life, but you wouldn't want to see it. And then this very important question. It's the biggest one for this morning. Would you like to be healed? Would you like to be healed? Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, Father God, would you heal us, your people, in this place? Would you make this a community of healing and joy? The fullness of life in you, the one who has promised abundant life, life to the full. Would you like to be healed? If you would like to be healed, one of the things you need to do is receive prayer. You need to pray and you need to receive prayer. 
But you will need to humble yourself before that prayer. And you will need to say, this is a captivity of mine. Would you pray for me? And it takes maturity on the part of the prayer as well. If we had a community where we were doing that more and more, we would see physical healings, but they wouldn't be the top of the heap in terms of the, you know, the press amidst us. It would be a community that's growing in love for one another and humility together before Christ. I so much need healing in my life still and always. So in May, I went to the Alpha Conference in London. Um, it was... I was graciously supported in doing so and and kind of sent there, which isn't that much of a burden to stay near Hyde Park and walk through walk through the park every day to get to Royal Albert Hall to go to a big Christian gathering where the worship is just incredible and the speakers are world-class. Absolutely fantastic. Alpha, in the last 20, 30, maybe 50 years, I don't know how you'd... In, in the Western world at least, but all over the world actually, all over the world, but certainly in our Western experience has been the most effective evangelical program that we've seen. But it's also marked by a strong presence of the Holy Spirit, or I should say, and it's also marked by a strong presence of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that happened to me when I was at the Alpha Conference, and this is through some things that were happening in this church and some different views of healing that people had, so some people would pray in a certain way, maybe a quieter way, and others would pray boldly for healing, and it was interesting that maybe those two ideas were not always gelling. And so as pastor, I was there, and I was praying when we were doing a, singing a worship song. I was sitting right near the floor, stage, light. It was absolutely, it was spectacular. And the speakers were so, so good, particularly in the mornings. And it was in one morning during a worship song that I felt on my heart in the Holy Spirit, they'd advertised, advertised this thing called the healing hut. I mean, that sounds pretty, pretty minor in terms of this big production. And it really was, actually. But they said, if you want to have anything prayed for, physical or otherwise, go to the healing hut and we'll pray for you. And it was right by Holy Trinity Brompton, the main church. And so in between sessions, and I thought, and I felt in the Holy Spirit, you need to go to the healing hut, you need to go to the healing hut. And you need to, I'm like, this, I don't do things like go to healing huts. But anyway. So I went. And you got there, and i got to tell you, when people gather together and, and there's like a healing thing, like a healing night or a healing session, or he, sometimes it gets really weird. Can we admit that? It's just weird at times. And so I was, you had to fill out a form that said they must have had some problems. This is a huge church and also around the world, right? And so you had to fill out a form that, that you acknowledge that this is not medical advice that I am receiving, right? In other words, don't stop your meds because somebody at Alpha told you, that kind of thing, right? And you were supposed to list what your ailment was. There were probably two or three lines, like I have this, this, and this. And then they took the form, and then a few minutes later, someone would come and say, are you Todd? We're so-and-so. It was usually a husband and wife team or a man and a woman. And they would say, we'll pray for you. So I fill out my form, but I don't have a physical ailment, at least that I can think of. You know? So my prayer was, Holy Spirit... Would you help us at Sutherland Church and me as minister there get a handle on this for where we're going in the future? We need to pray about healing for what is coming. And I felt really compelled in the Holy Spirit to do that. But when the couple came and they said, oh, and by weird I mean, so I'm sitting in the chair, and all of a sudden I noticed these young women uh, dancing around with these uh, little 
flags and stuff they're waving, and it's kind of in my face, and I'm, what is going on? And I, I read the form, and it says, well, they're releasing the spirit. I'm like, well, that's just weird. But anyway, <laughs> other people might be really engaged by it. I thought it was weird. So, and they had Christmas lights, and everything else was like such high production, and this little healing hut was... But yet, in some ways, anybody involved in Alpha would say that's the heart of what they do. People come to Christ through healing. And so when the couple came up and they said, are you Todd, we can pray for you, and they saw, and they, then they got my form and they looked, and I could see in their eyes kind of a disappointment that I didn't have, like, some disease. Or I don't mean it that way, but you know what I mean? So I apologized right away. I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't have really anything. And they're like, that's okay. And I said, I just, would you pray for me and our church because not too long into the future here, we're going to need to get a handle on this. And if we have one group of people that is all healing, 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 and one group of people that's like, those people freak me out, then we're not going anywhere. And they prayed for me. And it was absolutely beautiful. And I believe God answered the prayer. And is answering the prayer. They prayed for us. Finally, healing and salvation give us our vocation. There should be one more slide. If you don't get it, don't worry about it. Healing and salvation give us our vocation. We are healed and saved in Christ. You can just hear this. You just leave it like it is, Terry. It's fine. We are healed and saved in Christ so that... We can participate in the healing of the world. That's why you can't be against the world. That's why if the only thing that led you, and I'm I'm aware that I got a great parking spot this morning because I got here at like 8 something. But if you came in here and you were just ticked and that was the only thing, I mean, trust me, that's how I react too. So I'm not condemning you. But we can't be against the world. No matter how broken and sinful it is. Because our healing has given us this vocation to participate in the healing of the world. So where you see absences there, people don't worship God. People don't even know about God anymore. People are so self-centered. I say, so what? We need healing. God is about the healing of a broken creation. So the question is, where do you see this brokenness? Not only in yourself, but in the world around us. In health, relationships, in absence of meaning, in loss. Our salvation is for the sake of all. We are healed so that we can participate in the healing of the world. So we're going to close with, or send send us out with a few songs. We put these more singing at the end here so that what it can function as now is that you can devotionally enter in. Where do you need to be healed? And how would you pray about that and receive prayer? Let me pray, and then we'll sing together. So come, Holy Spirit, into our midst. Let us enter, Holy Spirit, your presence as you are already here. We come before you this morning thinking of the practical the needs in our own community, we celebrate with Jenny Van Hoogstraten that you are healing her. 
Come, Holy Spirit. We pray for Tara and Orion, who has asked us for prayer, who depends on prayer and needs it. Would you bless her and strengthen her and Lawrence as well for that which they face? And many others among us. We celebrate with Al and Irene this wonderful news of the occasion of their 30th anniversary. Would you bless them, Heavenly Father, and continue to allow them to be a blessing to us. We pray also for the needs of the world, remembering that every time we turn on the television or look at the news online or elsewhere, that we see tremendous pain, brokenness, and loss in the world, hatred, displacement, oppression, and that whoever those people are, wherever they are, that are being mistreated, that, Lord, your heart is there, and our prayer should be there as well. So teach us to pray. We pray for the offering as it is taken, that you would give us grateful hearts and show us over and over again what it means that our church can be a blessing in this community. We thank you for this time. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.